Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Ning. Joyce, it's another wonderful day for Oscar. Oscar, Oscar. You're just going to do this nine times, aren't you? <laughs> just stuck in my head forever. But we're back, Joyce, with another edition of Oscars playback, back by popular demand, Joyce, it seems. How popular is it, really? So popular. <laughs> Not as popular as the Oscars were in the 90s, but certainly uh, a lot of fun for us, at least. But I, I don't week, know if we've gotten a full season pickup yet, so. No, not yet. Uh, last week, we did the, the 1992 ceremony, uh, which focused on Silence of the Lambs, Billy Crystal hosting. This, year, this week, we're back with the 1997 ceremony. Uh, celebrating yeah, the, the 69th Oscars. Celebrating for the, the 96 films. films, yeah. Yes, for 96. Billy Crystal's return to hosting after a, a four-year break in which we had Whoopi Goldberg host, David Letterman host doing Uma Oprah, uh, which gets a, a shout out in the opening uh, little montage that they did with Billy uh, of the films within the film or him within the films, which I think maybe is the first time they actually did that, right? It, it seemed like a novel notion. Um, I don't know if that was the first time he did it, but that was his thing. That was his thing. Obviously, yeah. Because uh, then, like, they remember when uh, Anne Hathaway and James Franco hosted and they, you know, did the same thing and then he made a guest appearance. It's pretty fun. I, I still think Anne Hathaway should host again. As we, I think I've, I've definitely should, tweeted. But I think she's been uh, terminally scarred by it. I know, but she's so funny. She should host as her character from We Crash Choice. I, we were what like like five minutes in and you already made a wee crash to reference <laughs> so no we're talking the 69th oscars because this was a, a, a i feel like this was a watershed oscars because it was as, as we found out in the in the research the independence day because this was uh not just a play on the 1996 blockbuster independence day but independence as as films because only one a uh, quote-unquote studio movie was nominated for Best Picture at this Oscars, which was Jerry Maguire. Uh, I believe Billy references it's one out of 163 major releases is what he called it in his monologue. But 164, if you count Michael Lovitz, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Good joke. We, we're killing uh, it. Yeah. So I, it's, it's funny to think in retrospect, because like, it, you know, for the past 26 years now, or, you know, 25 years, whatever, like it's, it's been known as like, that was the year of the Indies and even back then, but then, you know, we, we know now that the next year we had Titanic. <laughs> Correct. So it, it's, it, it's a, perhaps a short-lived uh, independent wave. 
and also kind of a, a fungible definition of independence because uh, English Patient is the, the big winner here. It, it dominated the Oscars uh, as it, it swept through one, one, just everything. I think uh, when uh, Tim Rice and Andrew- it, it, had, it had 12 nominations and it won nine and it had, it was, had a perfect score until adapted screenplay and then I lost three in a row. <laughs> I think Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber when they win for Evita original song, which we'll talk about because I think you and I both, while appreciate Andrew Lloyd Webber winning an Oscar, have a different winner in that in that category, I would it's imagine. A, a lot of thoughts. <laughs> uh, some faults there, but I would say they both were, they were in their speech. I think Tim Rice jokes, uh, thank goodness there's no original song from uh, The English Patient. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber. That was oh, that's Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? Literally the first thing he says. (laughs) So it's like pretty, uh, pretty remarkable that English patients went through. But as an independent film, it was released by Miramax, uh, which was obviously a subsidiary of uh, Disney at the time. Miramax, I think, had twenty nominations at this ceremony. So this was like a ascendant Harvey Weinstein moment. Lots of uh, lots of problematic uh, uh, folks in this one, Joyce slash, uh, you know, uh, criminals. (laughs) Harvey Weinstein was obviously convicted a lot lot of canceled people certainly canceled uh yeah so so but uh English Patient was a Fox movie that they pulled out on in like the last week because they wanted a a movie star in it like a Demi Moore and not Kristen Stott Thomas who Anthony Minkella and Saul Zantz were were stumping for in the lead Kristen Stott Thomas obviously got nominated for best actress so to me when I, I like English Patient is an indie but like not necessarily a indie like maybe like a Fargo or Shine or Secrets and Lies, these other movies that were fully thought of as independent at the time. Whereas English yeah, it's, started it's as like just a like it, it wasn't a direct major studio release. That's all. Right. But that was the big thing. And uh, I got a couple of things in the, the research. So the after the nomination, the LA Times was Independence Day for the Oscars. Uh, and it was... Uh, I'll just read this part. Uh, nomination for the 69th Academy Awards announced by the AMPES on Tuesday closely tracked the favorite films of film critics this year, featuring only a handful of Hollywood's bankable stars and stressed quality acting over the big budget computer-generated special effects that are a staple of studio films. Could write that today. If you look at the top box office movies, I mean, the year before Braveheart and Apollo 13 were like the big movies, both were like hits, you know? And like this year, Jerry Maguire is a hit. But the other movies that were at the top of the box office that year in 96, all-time movies here, I stress. And maybe when we do our add-on five movies, one of these will maybe show up in my my personal hopes. But Independence Day was the big movie. Twister, Mission Impossible, and The Rock were the top four movies. <laughs> so all those Big, big the year for Tom Cruise. <laughs> big year for Tom Cruise. So all of those in the theater. It was a great year. for Those are great movies. Mission Impossible is awesome. Tom Cruise rules in it. Uh, Jerry Maguire was the only one of these to make the top 10 in worldwide grosses, it was ninth. Um, yeah, I mean, like, this was, like, just a different time. It does remind me now where you have, like, you know, there's no, like, the movies that are nominated for Best Picture this year, perhaps an odd year because of the pandemic, but they're not always going to be in the top of the box office. So that was, like, I feel like this is, like, a, a little division, even though next year we get Titanic, which is the biggest movie of all time, so... It is an interesting uh Yeah, I mean, like movies now you have to be, you know, an IP or like Marvel or something right. to make this kind of bank. <laughs> so, right. It, it is funny. Reading like a Jerry Maguire would not make, uh, let's see here, $273 million worldwide. <laughs> right. Not at all. Jerry Maguire would be like King Richard, I feel like. 
making like not a lot of money. I don't think Jerry Maguire makes a lot of money if it's released. It'll, it'll be released simultaneously on HBO Max. Certainly would. Yeah. Um, what else, Joyce? This was like, so yeah, like in the, the categories, it was a lot of newcomers. Like it's funny to watch the opening Billy Crystal being like, look at all these fancy new people, William H. Macy and, and Francis McDormand and Jeffrey so, Rush. <laughs> it's, it's just because his entire monologue, well, like most of it, and then just the vibe of that. I mean, when... I, I remember watching the ceremony fully um, and like sort of reading about it, but like not really because like I, I didn't have the internet then, like I had computer, <laughs> no internet then. And like, but like reading through like the newspapers, like I was, I was 11 and yeah, it was like the vibe was definitely like, there are no stars, like besides Tom Cruise. Right. You know, and then just reading uh, Inside Oscar 2 last night covering yes. this year. Uh, Cindy Adams was very pressed about the lack of glamour and uh, A-list names. So there <laughs> was not like, a lot. Of- why, why are there so many three-name people? No one's ever heard of. <laughs> right. So there was not a lot, and it's like you have like it just is. It does feel like a hey, look at these like the the, the cool kids are crashing the Oscars. You have like Joel and Ethan Cohen looking like peak grunge. I felt like like their look is just like one flannel shirt away from being in a a grunge cover band. Uh, you have friends McDormand, obviously like. And then a lot of like, uh, you know, Brenda Blethyn or, or Marianne Jean-Baptiste or, or Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush, not necessarily grunge or uh, fresh faces. Jeffrey Rush, grunge. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like they're just like, it's like a, a new thing. And I felt like watching the show, I don't know if you got this sense too, is that this felt like a little bit like a microcosm of what happens or this is like the butterfly flat. What is that thing? Like the butterfly effect where it's like, this is like the start, which leads to what we just saw this year, because you have, while the, the star power of the nominees and certainly the best picture nominees is not high wattage, let's say. And Tom Cruise is like the biggest name nominated for an Oscar in acting. Then you have the category and it's like, who can we throw in here? That's like famous and kids like, so it's like Chris Farley and David Spade, uh, you know, Courtney Love, obviously an actress there for People versus Larry Flint, but known as like this Beavis and Butthead presents sound editing. Love Beavis and Butthead. Uh, it's just one after the other. Uh, you have Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith promoting uh, Men in Black before it comes out, but there they are. Chris O'Donnell, who plays Batman, according to the opening announcer, and then they correct it and they're like, oh no, actually he's Robin. Wait, what, but then on the show, what did it call him? It was like an exciting young actor from Batman Forever and Scent of a Woman. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer Lopez is there. Uh, it, it just feels like they're trying to be young-ish. I, I, I felt like watching the whole thing over and over again. It just felt like the presenters were more along the lines of Jacob Elordi and Rachel Zegler than what we saw previously, where it was like bold Hollywood glamour. Like the 92 ceremony was just full of just A-list. Well, I mean, I wouldn't, like those people were there also there to promote things, right? Right. Like what was Jacob Elordi promoting when like euphoria is over? <laughs> He's promoting himself, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like all of these one are like Claire Danes is there obviously for Romeo and Juliet, but like, I don't know. I just don't like, it just feels you like- wanted, You wanted Paul Newman and Elizabeth Taylor back is what you're saying. Correct. And instead we've got like, you know, like it's like the, the MTV Oscars. Jim Carrey does a bit where he talks out of his ass at some at one point. 
He does that his like Ace Ventura. Really hilarious because well, he was also a huge star then. I mean, come so on. So he, he jokes about it in the opening that it's the weekend liar liar came out and like, yeah, was the, it like broke it killed. The so that was that was his line. If if you're, if you're watching that clip out of context, that's what he means when he says like, it's like who had a everybody had a I had a great weekend. How about you guys? It also took place on a Monday, which is you mentioned uh, before we recorded. The Oscars used to play take place on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun. I would be so excited to come home from school to watch the Oscars. <laughs> So this ceremony was, like we said, the first time Billy Crystal hosted in four years. Uh, it was on the mon- Monday, uh, March 20- 24th, 1997, so pretty late. It was a three-hour and 35-minute show, so still so shorter, shorter than this, this year's. <laughs> and it was watched by 40 million people, which was a, a slight dip from the year before, which was 44 million people when Braveheart won and Whoopi Goldberg hosted. But the same time frame, the year before was March 25th. Uh, 1996 and this one is March 24th 1997 um yeah I, I don't know what what do you think Joyce so we could go through you want anything else about the, the ceremony or the independence of it all before we we hit these uh hit these winners um yeah if if you watch Billy's monologue uh, a, a lot a lot of jokes about you know the the worry and the fear of the studios because the indies are coming <laughs> It does feel like the worry and fear of beauty. And basically what I've noticed here is every Billy show is like playing to the room of their insecurities. So the 92 show is, uh, hey, animated Animated movies, we're we're screwed. And this year it's like indie movies. Good luck, guys. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, I thought that was really funny, too. He mentions it multiple times in the opening. Mm -hmm. The other thing, Joyce, uh, before we move on, they even compare it to this year's ceremony. Billy did a, a website. It, it was a yes. cheer moment before the cheer moment, Joyce. He did mm-hmm. www, which is no longer, it's a defunct site because I did go look at it. But it's uh, www.whyistheshowsolong.com. It was a website. domain. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he set up there so people could go to joke, to write jokes, it seemed, for the ceremony. And then he would read them on the Oscars. So huge cheer moment vibes from this. And the jokes are horrendous. He read, uh, I mean, in the clips that they've uploaded, he read three of them. So I don't know if he, I don't remember him like reading more. I don't know how many more he read. I think he read three of them and I only wrote down one of them, but this is the tone of the joke. It was, what is Bill Clinton's favorite movie? 101 donations. But I'm slapper. So that's the level of humor that the audience was participating with. But it was like another like a uh, worldwide. It was like this is definitely like an, a worldwide web Oscars as well. So you have that website. And I think uh, I forget who opened the show, Joyce. Who was it? Um, uh, you mean like Arthur Hiller? <laughs> Arthur Hiller opens the show. That's right. I couldn't the, think of his the, name. Sorry. the president. Yeah. President um, Academy. And he comes out and his, uh, his big speech is about how. It was, it was honestly something you could imagine uh, someone saying today because it was like- oh, completely applicable today. <laughs> basically like- Because he called it, we're, we're in the era of isolation and everyone yeah. is just by themselves, like attached to their computer screen. <laughs> yes. Uh, by, by, you're by yourself, attached to the computer screen and we really need the communal aspect of sporting events and movies to bring us together. It was a strange thing because I was like, were people, and he's even talking about the divisions of the world. I'm like- this is pre 9-11. I understand like everything has always been divided and polarized, but I was like, I don't remember being as polarized as, I mean, certainly like maybe it was because I guess it's like Pete Clinton and like the Republican uh, 
coalition pushing back. But I was just like, I don't know. It just to your come thinking now, it's quaint to think that that was polarizing. Now, I know, and I'm just like, now. sir, just just you wait. Yeah, <laughs> just just you wait. Let's see what technology has in store. So oh, wait, so so Gil Gil Cates returned to uh, produce. Yes, which is why Billy was back. Right. Um, and uh, the theme of this year's ceremony also related to this past year's the 94th Oscars. What was uh, it? Their theme then was togetherness yes. of movie going. Amazing. Movie lovers unite. Movie lovers unite. So it's it's very similar to this year's ceremony. I guess the difference is this ceremony's 50 times better than uh, this year's ceremony. Oh yeah, like it's still, it's jam-packed. They did not uh, <laughs> drop any categories. No. They have two score categories presented on them both. <laughs> two sound categories presented on them both. Yeah. Uh, all the song performances. They had a Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance, the uh, best editing dance break. Yes. So they did yeah. a special, uh, uh, so Shine was a big nominee, obviously best picture nominee. They did a, a, a special moment with uh, the, the, the pianist from Shine doing Flight of the Bumblebee. David uh, Helcott. Yes. yes. He was uh, uh, he was on tour and just so happened to have a stop in LA. Amazing. They did a Thalberg Award for Saul Zant, who then later wins another Oscar. His, <laughs> so, his third Oscar. <laughs> his third competitive Oscar after getting the Thalberg Award. Uh, in memoriam, they do a great, uh, you know, I just thought the whole show is just really fun. It's Shakespeare at the Movies montage with Actor, director Kenneth Branagh, I believe, is how they announced Yeah, that's it. how they, they introed him in their rivals. Um, Incredible. And, and Michael Kidd got an honorary Oscar presented by Julie Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot it, of content on the show, as, as they had back then. And still shorter than, yes. uh, than what we saw this year. And, and I would say more engaging. Mm-hmm. You said you, the reviews were mixed, I think you said, but I was reading a Tom Shales review from 1997 in the Washington Post the day after. He was over the moon about Billy Crystal's return. I think that was maybe like the sense that Whoopi Goldberg and though I do think the Whoopi shows are great, David Letterman obviously is considered a, not what you want, though I feel like that's aged pretty well because Letterman's very funny and like arch humor maybe didn't fit with the Oscars, but people are now like a little more like amenable to that one. But he was just thrilled, Tom Shales, that Billy was back. Uh, so much fun. Felt like it was a great list of winners. Here, I'll just read you one line from the Tom Shales review. For the first time in a long time, the list of major winners did not seem to include any outright outrages or horrendous miscarriages of justice. In other words, <laughs> ha ha ha, Tom Cruise lost. I got to say, when we okay. talk about this, I would maybe redo that one. So we'll, we'll get to that here when we do the categories. But um, I don't like, I, I enjoyed the ceremony like back then watching it. And I don't think it, yeah, like, like you said, like it wasn't a bad ceremony, especially like, no. compared to this year's. But I think it was just kind of boring because of the English patient's sweep. Right. And I don't think, in, you know, we like English patient is. That, that's think, not, nothing you can do. You can't do anything about that, you know? So. No. And it's like a movie that just ended up becoming like shorthand for important Oscar movie that people are going to have to watch like homework. I mean, that was like a whole runner on Seinfeld, right? With mm-hmm. Elaine, yes. right? She didn't like it. Uh, was it Elaine? I'm, I don't want to like get the Seinfeld fans mad at me, right? Was it Elaine who, uh, or was it Jerry? Was, yeah. Uh, uh, I haven't watched that in a while. <laughs> I, re- say, I, I do remember it. I'll, I'll Google it quick, but I, I just can't say that I've like gone back and watched The English Patient a lot uh, in, no. in recent years. And it was Elaine. I've only seen it once. I only saw it 
back then. So it's also a very long movie and you know how I feel about long movies. Very long. Uh, it's, a, again, it's a beautiful movie. I, I feel like for me, it's like, I don't know. I feel, I enjoyed Anthony, I, I enjoyed Anthony Manhattan's follow-up, which is uh, the talented Mr. Ripley a lot more. Yes. I feel like than English patient. Um, but it's a, it is a great movie. Uh, hard to fault it winning based on this list of nominees and totally expected that it would kind of sweep through because it combines the grand historical epic uh, stuff with like a lot of crafts and and the rest of the movies because they were so quote unquote independent you're not going to get a lot of crafts for like you know Fargo or Secrets and Lies or Shine, though I would again argue, I think Fargo I mean, missed Fargo it. could definitely have won like cinematography. For- and score, which I think we'll talk about. Because score, I think like, it was not even nominated. Which it should have been. Carter Burwell's score is <laughs> incredible. And they played it multiple times during the show. Um, yeah, Joy, so let's go through. Do you want to, want, should we start like with best picture? How do you want to, where do you want to start in the category? We can do best picture. We've already been talking about it. So, <laughs> so yeah, best picture, uh, English patient one. We mentioned the other nominees, which were uh, Shine, Fargo, Secrets and Lies, and Jerry Maguire. Personally, I would pick Jerry Mag- I would probably pick Fargo, honestly, if I was doing this again, because I love Same. both Fargo and Jerry Maguire. But again, not surprised that English Patient won. I would, hmm. so uh, I don't, yeah, Fargo would definitely be my, my vote to win. I don't know what I would do for number two between Jerry Maguire and Secrets and Lies, because I enjoy those movies for completely different reasons. Okay. Um, but yeah, English Patient and Shine would be the bottom two for me. <laughs> You'd be shocked to know that I'm like a huge Cameron Crow fan and I really dig Jeremy Maguire. Never would have pegged you for that. At all. I couldn't imagine it. Couldn't imagine that I would really, really, really love that movie. Um, yeah, I, I, the fact that Fargo was nominated was like really cool, I think. It came out in March of that year before. Yeah, so it, it came out another... before the previous year's ceremony. Correct. And I think, I think in the inside Oscar that I read last night, Joyce, you, you read more of it because you're a better reader than I am. But I think uh, in, in you, the, one you, of the- You don't know like, enough words to, to read. I, it's just, I ran out of words. It was tough beat. Uh, but Gene Siskel was like, I don't think I'll see a better movie this year when he reviewed Fargo yeah. in March. A lot of, you know, having read like the, I mean, I haven't, I don't normally read inside Oscar, but having read like, uh, you know, the previous ceremony last week and now this one, uh, a lot of hyperbolic claims yeah. by people yeah. <laughs> so well it's a, it's a it's the reviewers are really 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 stretching i feel like but uh yes. fargo is a great movie it's just incredibly watchable it's so uh, it's and funny also reading, short it's also short it's 90 minutes it's funny reading the reviews and i think that's a very uh, it's like a very easy complaint about the coens that they like look down on their characters and i think that's kind of like follow them throughout their career because they don't always focus on people who are of the utmost intellect when when they're making their movies you're thinking of like all the dummies that George Clooney has played for them it's like a runner basically that he plays the dumbest people on earth for the Coens but I don't know I didn't think Fargo was like that I don't think it's like insulting to 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 Marge and Marge is one of the best characters like not just best female characters but best characters in general and I don't even think it's like looking down on like um uh, William H. Macy's character either or the 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 laconic hitmen or any any of them I think it's actually like that seems like a like a easy knock on the Coens that a lot of the critics were on autopilot with for this movie if they didn't like it or they don't like the Coens vibe um, but no this is like an amazing movie and it's like probably I don't it's not it's not a miscarriage of justice I don't think that English patient won 
but I mean, if I was doing it, I would probably pick Fargo. I mean, just, it's just, you know, you have to look at it within the context. Like we all have our personal preferences, but it completely made sense why English patient won. And I think everyone in the shrine that night knew English patient was gonna, like even before I won uh, eight awards previous yeah. to that. But yeah, and, and that was just, that was the type of movie that won back then, like this sweeping epic. Right, and uh, it, it, won at, it won at the Golden Globes. It won at Producers Guild, uh, Directors Guild, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it won at the BAFTA Awards. It won at pretty much everything except for yeah. the Critics' Choice Awards, which were a nascent group at that time, in the second year. Also, also a different type of group back then. So it, uh, Fargo won. Yes, Fargo won. At Critics' Choice. Right. So, uh, I think uh, if it was this year, English Patient would have won if it was the same group we had this year. Yes. Yeah. And also BAFTA was still after the Oscars back right. then. Um, but yeah, like it was, that, that was just the type of, like when you, when you talk about like Oscar bait, like that is a perfect example of Oscar bait, English patient. Yeah, I think so. I think that it, not even using it as a pejorative, it just is like, this no, is that's a movie. Just that's what it is. Like if, if someone came up to you, knows nothing about the Oscars and they just heard the phrase Oscar bait and asked you to explain it to them, this is like a perfect example to give to them. So, so Joyce, we went through the, the five nominees, obviously. Last time, we last week when we did this for uh, Silence of Lambs year 92, there was, I think we came up with like a really solid additional five. Like it was very easy, I think. And we even left off certain ones that I think people were like, oh, what about like fried green tomatoes or something? Like there were like other options. If we were coming up with a 10 lineup for this year, tough, tough, kind of tough. Because the movies that we are going to love that you and I both saw in the <laughs> I'm theater. I'm not going to make it at all. Probably not going to make it. As I mentioned, like Independence Day, Twister, The Rock, uh, not making it in. So I don't know, where would you go next here? What was the sixth movie, if you had a guess? Um, I would say The People versus Larry Flint because right. Milos Foreman got the directing nomination. Um, and obviously Woody Harrelson got nominated as well. A controversial movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that could have made it. And uh, Sling Blade, a lot of love for Sling Blade. Sling Blade, I think, would have been in before Larry Flint. So, yeah. so Billy, this was- I'm the, just going in order of the categories. Sure, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, this was like his breakout moment. Uh, so he, he produced this film. Uh, he starred in it, uh, wrote it directed it, shooting gallery, put it up. And then the Weinsteins obviously released it for another Miramax, uh, another Miramax shout out here at the, at the Oscars, a bunch of, uh, thank you so much, Bob and Harvey Weinsteins at this, this ceremony. Uh, Billy got a, I think a standing ovation when he won for a day. It was, yeah, a lot of love for Billy Bob Thornton. Um, and he thanked Elizabeth Taylor, who was one of the first champions of the movie. Yes, she was. So if you're watching that clip and you're wondering why, uh, she was like, this is a great, she was like really, really excited about this movie, uh, Sling Mm -hmm. Blade. Not a movie I could say I've seen in probably since this Oscars. I have not seen it in a long time. Um, but I've seen it more than once. So yeah, uh, Fargo, Jerry Maguire, and... Secrets and Lies are only Best Picture nominees I've seen more than once. <laughs> Jerry uh, Maguire I've seen so many times because they also play it on TV a lot. And so great, I- Great, great rewatchable movie. Numerous uh, times. It's yeah. funny watching this is Billy Bob is like a uh, 
kind of like the platonic ideal of what the independent moment is here. And it made me laugh because I'm like a year from now, he'll be in Armageddon, which he rules in Armageddon. Yes, but it's just like he he explodes after Sling Blade and is in a ton of studio stuff. And it's just funny to think that this is like him being an indie actor at the moment. But his win was great. I mean, he beat English Patient in this category. Which yeah, is, that was English patient's uh, first loss in a decade. Kind of incredible that it actually did win. Um, yeah, and also, and then you watch that clip. Um, you, like these days, every nominee gets applause, right? Like, you know, like a nice golf clap. Yeah. But so they go through the adaptive screenplay nominees, and the first couple, I think Slingblade was the fourth one. So, like, complete silence and you're just like okay whatever they're just like waiting you know for the winner to be announced they get the sling blade huge cheer <laughs> people really really were excited and then the movie. last one is train spotting which i loved i don't think it would be a best picture nominee but i love train spotting and they and it kind of got like the leftover applause from sling blade and then yeah like jody foster says you know he wins like sling blade billy bob thornton and then huge ovation for him right uh Pretty, pretty incredible stuff. So Billy Bob, uh, congrats, congrats to him. I think Singley would be the sixth, maybe Larry Flint, like you said, because Milo Schwarman got the director. Yeah, and I don't know what else. I guess, I guess like which, which like a uh, popular film would make it. I don't actually know. It, it's pretty tough. So here are some of the movies that I wrote down, just scribbled down that I really enjoyed uh, that year. <laughs> the Rock, ID4. I love the Rock. The Rock is my friend's favorite movie. And then like, these days when he just mentions the rock without context of the movie people think he's talking about Dwayne Johnson <laughs> so uh funny funny thing Joyce I saw Ambulance this week in the theater uh of great great movie and best picture the rock <laughs> and they they reference the rock in it Michael Bay references the rock because the guy does the line of Sean Connery being like uh winners go home and, and f the prom queen is like literally reference and the guy goes that was from the rock and the cop his cop friend is like I don't know. He doesn't know what that is. And he goes, you mean like Dwayne Johnson? Like they actually make that joke in the movie. Uh, so, so there you go. Uh, ID4, Cable Guy, Courage Under Fire, Train Spotting, A Time to Kill. None of these movies would make it in. The only ones I could think of, I don't even know. I mean, maybe Romeo and Juliet. What do you think? I love Romeo and Juliet. And that was actually on TV the other night. And I watched like the last half of it. Um, I don't know if, yeah, I can't see that being a Best Picture nominee, but I love that movie. Yeah, I, all the movies I love from this year um, would not be Best Picture nominees. So the thing about 96 is that was the year we got uh, an illegal cable box, sort of. Like, we somehow yes. got four pay-per-view channels for free. Okay. And so, like, the the major, like, studio releases would just be on pay-per-view, like, a month after release. And, you know, they would play it, like, 24-7. So I watched a lot of movies starting that year. Uh, yeah, like, Jerry Maguire, like, it just 24... I was just, like, inhaling movies. Um, yeah, like, Independence Day, Space Jam. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, Multiplicity, iconic film. Great uh, Michael Keaton movie. Yeah, he should have at least gotten the Globe nomination. This was a year I was a, I was a freshman in college, Joyce, so a little older than you, as we said. Uh, and I went to all of these. We saw every single thing, every movie in the theater. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I couldn't go out by myself to get to a theater. So I watched everything on pay-per-view, like Romeo and Juliet, I loved. And that came out the same day, October 4th, 96, as the, oh, uh, no, not, no not, not that one, but That Thing You Do came out the same day as D3 to Mighty Ducks. So 
that was like huge for me because I love both of those movies. I would nominate that thing you do, but I would nominate that thing you do also. So let's throw that in there. I think that is a fantastic movie. Tom Hanks's directorial debut, uh, incredibly watchable, just such a simple, effortless movie. Uh, I love it so much. I've seen it it's so good. dozens of times. It's a great movie. And, and co- totally robbed of the original song win. Which we'll get to, but it seemingly is not one that has aged very well. At the same time, like I said, Andrew Lloyd Webber has one Oscar. This is it for Evita. Uh, but and he got yeah. to, and because of this, he got to complete his EGOT. So right. I um, would say the them. thing, the interesting thing about this year, I think, is a lot of the movies that maybe you would expect to have been potential contenders, and that's another reason why perhaps these indie movies kind of were able to to jump were just failed to launch so like the crucible was like one that was mentioned inside oscar mm-hmm. as like a huge buzzy kind of like we're doing this daniel day lewis winona Ryder, uh ad- adapting the classic book uh you know arthur miller wrote the screen uh play excuse me arthur miller wrote the screenplay uh and this is going to be it and it failed it just doesn't work doesn't come up here at all gets the one yeah, nomination alan got a nomination and that's it um yeah, it's just one of those classic uh, that had Oscar buzz. Mirror has two faces. Another one, Barbara Streisand, uh, which I that was a great. There's a great bit uh, that reminded me of Licorice Pizza when they're doing best original song. They have Goldie Hawn, uh, Diane Keaton a nominee for Marvin's Room, and uh, Bette Miller doing original song. And Goldie Hawn is like Barbara Streisand, and and uh, Bette Miller is like Barbara Streisand, and Goldie Hawn is like. I've known her for 20 years. It's Barbara Streisand. Don't tell me how to say it. It's really funny. Uh, a lot of a lot of references to Barbara during the ceremony, just just like last time, because uh, again, she was snubbed because she directed Mary Has Two Faces. Um, and again, also in it, not nominated, but Lauren Bacall was. And she, so like the, the song from Mirror Has Two Faces was nominated. Right. And uh, what, what is it called? I finally found someone. Right. Uh, yeah, sure. Right. There's like three power ballads nominated that all are pretty similar. I finally found someone. Who's yes. So she didn't want to perform and they got Natalie Cole to do it, but then she fell ill like the day before. And there wasn't, a, and Barbara like offered to come in and do it, but there wasn't enough time for her to rehearse. So Celine Dion, who was already there performing a rival nominee, um, uh which one the 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 one from the because you love me right yeah because you love me y'all these titles man (laughs) that's from up close and personal is that right yeah yeah so she performed both of them and then there's a a (laughs) video on youtube of her performing both songs and then when she does i finally found someone she has the lyrics in front of her because she doesn't know them i mean that's great yeah but that's a yeah barbara streisand um mirror has two phases which uh got eviscerated but kind that of, was didn't really... movie i i watched on pay-per-view and what else was there that year um, evita oh, was another bird one cage. the birdcage the birdcage is a great movie <laughs> i would have actually nominated that as well i think uh evita was one that like again this has oscar buds that was like a that was a long in the development i think like 20 years i remember reading mm-hmm. about that on like Corona coming attractions. Remember that, Joyce? That I that was a yes. website attract uh, movies that were coming. Uh, Madonna making a big play. 
it just didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work. It got the, it was a, you know, this had Oscar buzz. So those were the movies that kind of like fell out. And then you kind of, it's hard to come up with another 10. I don't know who else we're going to put that thing you do in and Sling Blaine, people versus Larry. These are Flynn. like our, per- like my personal lineup would not include English patients. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry. My personal line would be like, like nothing against the movie, but I would not nominate it. I'm just scream would be. That's in just it. Not, not my movie. Happy Gilmore would be in it for me. Like these are these are my movies. Like what else? Um, I'm just like looking through 96 releases right now. I mean, there's yeah. really not a lot that you would say like would make it. Primal Fear, I thought was like a great movie, but it was a great movie. Norton, but I don't think it would get in. I think The Birdcage is actually not a bad bet. Yeah, it won SAG Ensemble. Um, the second year of that awards existence, even though it was the third year of SAG. Right. And it's it's still um, the only ensemble winner that did not get a Best Picture nomination. So now we frequently have Best Picture winners that are not nominated for SAG Ensemble, right? right. It used to just uh, be like Braveheart and Apollo 13 when that's split right. on the first year of that award. So yeah, Birdcage just, just such a great film and like Mike Nichols like on fire like incredible the best that opening shot (laughs) incredible opening shot you could throw it in for I would say cinematography and maybe like an acting nomination too I don't know yeah like Nathan Lane Nathan Lane for supporting or Robin Uh, Williams both great uh I'm just yeah I'm scrolling through these releases I'm like what am I what would I nominate here I mean I think we got to eight which one (laughs) a very Brady sequel Bottle Rocket, we could throw in Swingers. I would throw in, but I don't think those are gonna like make it. But I mean, it's it's funny that this is like definitely the year of the independence. But I think the independents that are most well remembered now were not coming in, right? They didn't mm-hmm. like Bottle Rocket and Swingers are two of probably the biggest long like they still have a long tail, I guess, at the end here. But these other ones that got in, like Secrets and Lies and Shine, not as necessarily uh, as sticky in the in the culture. As, as those other ones yeah those are movies that just like cinephiles know um not even necessarily like you think there's a lot of people running around no offense to scott hicks and, and shine but going like man let's ride or die no, for shine. i don't yeah i don't know anyone who has seen shine <laughs> um, harvey weinstein but i know people shine. who've seen secrets and lies secrets and lies is a great movie harvey weinstein uh, tried to get shine at the sundance film festival yes yes and, and uh lost it lost it to fine line i believe which is a subsidiary of warner brothers and when he lost it he went up to scott hicks and ranged you effed me on this you effed me on this so another another great moment in uh just awful harvey weinstein you know he he just he just really wanted that best actor win as well so um but also shine is a total miramax movie (laughs) it really is i I was surprised it actually wasn't miramax it's so funny it almost was so Let's go to Best oh, Director. Sleepers. Sleepers was a great movie. <laughs> Sleepers was a great movie. We saw in the theaters. Uh, loved it. Uh, Best Director, Anthony Minghella won for English Patient. No kidding. Joel Cohen, Miloš Forman, Mike Lee, and Scott Hicks. Uh, if I was doing this again, I think I would, I would again, not to belittle Shine, but I would, I would punt Scott Hicks out of here and put Cameron Crowe in for Jerry Maguire. I think that's like an egregious snub. Really, really should have been in here, I feel like. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this lineup does not surprise me and I'm not surprised that Cameron was snubbed. I'm not surprised either, but I mean, like it just, he should have been nominated. It's great. It's like, 
he's it's i'd argue it's his best movie even as an almost famous fan and i think he's just it is really good uh oh yeah i would it's it's my favorite movie of his yeah um even though like i do i i really like say anything um his movies are great joyce yeah now not i I like his his early movies (laughs) yeah lately not the greatest i would say not the not the best run lately um did you make it through elizabeth town oh yeah i actually like elizabeth town but i think aloha is like a real rough sit uh aloha yeah that's a that's a tough beat uh quite a legacy aloha real, (laughs) real rough uh yeah, I'm in Hello One, not surprised at all, um, at all. No, that was a, a after uh, English Patient lost three awards, that was, that was its comeback with Anthony Manella. So, um, and it was his daughter's 18th birthday that day. And, well, it was very sweet. And Ant- yeah, very Anthony Manella, unfortunately, I know. died. I, when when uh, he died, I was like, oh my gosh, because he died really young. Pretty upsetting. Uh, Followed yeah, English it, Patient with Mr. Ripley and got yeah. a uh, producer nomination for The Reader. After yeah, so he and Sidney Pollack died within like two months of each other in 2008, and they mm-hmm. both did The Reader. Sad. So, uh, yeah. Best actor, Joyce, let's go to that. So Jeffrey Rush won for Shine, just the most performance, I feel like. Uh, right. Just a manic, uh, playing the pianist David uh, Helfgott. Tom Cruise, Ray Fiennes for English Patient, Woody Harrelson for People vs. Larry Flint, and Billy Bob Thornton for Sling Blade. Obviously, if I was doing this again, Tom Shell's no offense, Jerry Maguire and Tom Cruise should have won. I think this would have been like, this is the Jerry Maguire win that he needed to get. And he'll never win one now, I don't think. Well, he's also like not very concerned with winning an Oscar. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, like he was great. Obviously, like I think in that late 80s run, he was trying like with like- Born on the No, no, of I July. mean like in the past like decade. No, now he's just fully Mission Impossible. Top yeah. Gun, Tom Cruise is going to fly a plane and launch himself into space. But at this point, I think he was like looking for it. Oh yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, because he has Magnolia after this as well. And I just, I mean, this is like an all-time performance. Like, I feel like he's so good in it. It's a great character. It's definitely like his most memorable, I think, role, not like in a non-franchise movie, right? Like I think most people know him as Jerry Maguire. And it's a movie that fully does not work if he's not good. The whole movie rests on his shoulders. It's called Jerry Maguire. It's a it's just a strange movie that's like a rom-com, but also like just like a Cam and Crow, James L. Brooks type movie that doesn't really have any kind of like identifiable, I don't know, like it doesn't fit neatly into any genre. It, Definitely, like I think I saw Cameron Crow compared it to like Sweet Smell of My Success, uh, was Sweet Smell of My Success, and The Apartment. I think was what he was uh, looking for, right? Yeah, he wanted like his like Jerry to be a mix of those two characters, like the leads of those two movies. I think. I just think yeah, he should have won. I, I would definitely give it. To I Tom would Cruise. be totally fine with Tom Cruise winning for Jerry Maguire, and in hindsight, it's it's kind of like why didn't he win? when you all were so worried about the indies coming for you guys, like the studio and like Jerry was the one studio best picture nominee. And like, this was peak Tom Cruise, right? Like, you know, he had Mission Impossible that same year. It could have been like, congratulations for mm-hmm. your year when yeah. he's great in the movie. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels like it, it could have been like that type of huge blockbuster like crowning of an a-list star 
moment. Yes. Um, but at the same time, you know, knowing what Jeffrey Rush does in Shine, that also makes sense. But the thing is, Jeffrey Rush is not in Shine a lot. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. in there for like 30 minutes. Like right. these two, the two lead wins this year, I, probably the shortest ever combined because Frances McDormand is also in Fargo for like 30 minutes. Right. I don't think she shows up until like 50 minutes into the movie. Yeah, I, I think it's earlier than that, but it's like, like Jeffrey Rush, you know, like Noah Taylor as the, the teenage young adult David carries that movie and he was snubbed. Right. Like he was a lead, like he has more screen time than Jeffrey Rush does. But like Jeffrey Rush has like all the baby stuff at the end. I, so, I felt like if you look at these winners, I think in the acting ones, and we'll get to this with like Lauren McCall, I wonder, and it kind of Tom Shales mentions it in his, in his review when he's like, ha, F Tom Cruise basically. But I do think this is like pushback on the idea that after Al Pacino won for A Scent of a Woman, which I don't think anybody, including Al Pacino or anybody at the time was like, this is a great Al Pacino. We got to get Al Pacino an Oscar for this movie. It was, we got to get Al Pacino an Oscar. Yeah, because you like, guys messed up in the 70s. Because they messed up and it felt like definitely like a makeup time. And I feel like this would have been like a kind of a sentimental, I think Tom Cruise is incredible in the movie and I do think he deserves to win. But you could argue that he should have won for like, you know, Born on the Fourth of July or something else. And like Lauren Bacall, obviously it's her first nomination after like 50 years. She was going to win. I don't think Mirror Has Two Faces is incredibly memorable in her career, but she would have won because she's Lauren Bacall. Tom Cruise maybe would have won because he's Tom Cruise. And I think this Academy at this point in time is maybe trying to push back against that notion that they are like just sentimental hacks a little bit. And so that also, I think, played into Tom Cruise losing. And also maybe Tom Cruise is too famous and it's like, does Tom Cruise need an Oscar? Screw that guy. Kind of. But he should have won. That's my take. I mean, you know, we just gave it to Will Smith. Who's like, well, now it's a different time. It's a different time choice. You could slap people. No, I mean, like, they gave it to Tom Hanks two years in a row. Yeah, but like Tom Hanks after... was more of an actor. I think Tom Hanks, even though he's a massive movie star, was also more of an actor or thought of more as an actor than Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is like a movie star. And then, I mean, and well, the year after this, they, they give Jack Nicholson his third. So right. it's, I, I think the other thing with Tom at that point is maybe they were thinking there's another chance with him. And like, yeah, yes, he does get nominated for Magnolia and supporting three years later, uh, loses. And uh, Michael Caine was like, you know, you don't want to win in supporting because your rate will go down. <laughs> um, but it has not been nominated this century. No. And that was based on his like output, he's not going to be. There's nothing coming up. No, which is fine. Like, this, he, that's not some, he's not chasing it. That's totally, he gave back his Golden Globes. He did. After they were canceled. He did. <laughs> so, Good for him. Uh, but, yeah, and then it, I, I do think, you know, like the, this, this slate, like I think Billy Bob is like the cool pick now. It will be the film Twitter pick, yeah. right? If, if this uh, were, ha were happening now. Um, Woody is the classic, like controversial movie pick. Like, you know, he's not winning. Um, and then Ray Fiennes is like the lead of the sweeper who does not win. <laughs> right. He's been in a Cumberbatch, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Um, but you know, power to doctor that one. Um, <laughs> but in theory, that's what it is. It felt like very similar performances to me. Yeah. And Jeffrey Rush also at this point, Jeffrey Rush was not famous. So they could have no. definitely just pushed Noah Taylor, who was younger, and we know they don't really like young men, but like he's 
the lead of that movie you can argue because uh, you know it's a split role but right. he's in it more um and they could have pushed like jeffrey rush in supporting but jeffrey plays the adult david and you know it ends with him and everything so i understand why they made the decisions they did with in terms of the placement but it is, it's still a baller move to be like, we're going to put him up against Tom Cruise. Like the big and win. <laughs> yeah. And he did. He won. He won SAG. He won Globe and Drama. Jerry, uh, Jerry, Tom Cruise won the Comedy Globe. So. Right. Yeah, it was not unexpected that Jeffrey Rush would win. It was, no. it was keeping. But I just think that Tom Cruise should have won. Uh, best actress choice will go there. Frances McDormand obviously wins for Fargo. I thought her speech was great. Uh, it's funny watching like a young Frances McDormand uh, at the Oscars and comparing it to her more, uh, you know, cantankerous approach the last two times she's won since. Uh, she seems a little more, at least, less uh, less jaded here than she is now, I would argue. She doesn't have time for this anymore these days, and I respect that. Uh, the other nominees were Brenda Blethyn for Secrets and Lies, Diane Keaton for Marvin's Room, Kristen Scott Thomas for The English Patient, and Emily Watson for Breaking the Waves. I mean, Frances McDormand here in a runaway. I, I can't imagine any of these other ones. It's such a, it's such a, a, I would argue a weak category that Diane Keaton got in for Marvin's room. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't think this is the most competitive category. I think you could have had um, Courtney Love in here for, for people versus Larry Flint. She was probably the most high profile snub. Well, uh, and Madonna. <laughs> and Madonna who won at the Globes. But again, that movie was not the most well-received. Evita. I, I think like, Brenda was probably the runner-up, um, yeah. and I would say, like she and Marianne Jean Baptiste, uh, who plays her daughter in the movie, they're co-leads, and they frauded Marianne in supporting. I, I'm pretty sure they have the same amount of screen time. <laughs> um, and yeah, Brenda won the Drama Globe, and then she would right. later win the BAFTA, um, but. There, there's just something about Marge, <laughs> you know, that's just like such an iconic character. And it could have easily been a caricature uh, and, but she feels like such a fully realized person and it's like the way Francis plays her. And there's so many great scenes and also like the way it's written as well. Like she has this like inner life and she's like, like you were saying before about like their dumb characters, like she's not dumb right like she's good at her job and she has this you know good marriage at home and like there's just all these like little moments where you see that she is smarter than you might think she is when you first meet her you know like that diner scene um mm -hmm. with like her whole her whole classmate like mike uh, is that his name what right? uh yeah like, yeah and then he's like saying like his wife died and whatever and turns out like he's lying and everything like it's like all these like little subtle moments and it's a, it's a great performance and again you know not a lot of screen time she's in there for like half an hour but that's just it's the impact that you make right and I think it's a different type of impact that Jeffrey Rush makes even though the screen time is comparable because right. his is just kind of like super bait this is not right. like Marge is not a, a baity role or performance no right so it, it's also like uh incredible this is a hack term but it's it's instantly iconic right like her performance like yes. easily spoofable even in a movie that's an indie movie uh 
I think it's an, it's, it was well known enough in the culture that like Billy Crystal could easily reference like her Minnesota accent or like her like leaning over to barf in, in uh, because she's got morning sickness. And everybody who's watching the Oscars, the 40 million people are like, I know that, I know that, I know that joke. I get, I understood that reference. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just no, uh, no problems with this win at all. Yeah, I think uh, like Brenda would have been a good win as well, but I just, Secrets and Lies is just like, you know, another Mike Lee film that was not going to win anything. <laughs> right. like, he, he can't, he can't win. They, they'll nominate him, but uh, no wins. So if I was um, if I was doing this again, I would obviously boot Diane Keaton. No offense to the great Diane Keaton for uh, Renee Zellweger and Jerry Maguire choice. Yeah, Renee. Renee was great. Another one of those, uh, uh, sort of like Kristen Scott Thomas, where the studio might not want that particular person. Uh, her casting in that movie feels similar because you would think like the studio would want like a bigger name, right? Like an established star, right? Um, and yeah, she's great in it. Um, it's funny it, that they it, nominate Diane Keaton here because of the Globes, like Meryl Streep was nominated. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm like, Renee Zellweger not being here is, is wild, but obviously they do makeup. Uh, immediately, she's a, soon to be an Oscar fave here in the next few years. Yeah, she did. Renee did get the SAG nomination. The SAG nominations are kind of wild. Um, not as wild them. as supporting actor this year. But... So read them off. What do you got for SAG? Well, in supporting actress, sad. Well, let's go there. We go. You want to go there next, or you want to do stick with actress? Um. Well, but they nominated her in supporting actress. Well, I can't read both. So okay. SAG in lead actress, they gave it to Frances McDormand. Right. And the line, the other nominees were Brenda Bleffen, Diane Keaton, Jenna Rollins for Unhook the Stars, and Kristen Scott Thomas. Okay. And then in supporting actress, uh, Lauren Bacall, who won. Julia Binoche for The English Patient, Marissa right. Tomei for Unhook the Stars. Huge Unhook the Stars fan. Wow, they really went Gwen for it. Burden for Marvin's Room and Renee Zellweger for Jerry Maguire. So that's category for it because she's the lead, obviously, I think. Like, not a supporting character. Bonnie Hunt is a supporting actress in Jerry Maguire. Regina King is a supporting actress. Renee Zellweger is the lead actress in Jerry Maguire. Uh, I would, I would, I would nominate her. I, she doesn't beat Frances McDormand though. Nobody does. Frances is uh, awesome in this no. movie. Uh, for supporting actor, Joyce, another category which I think has got, you know, a lot of people. I, I would come up with. I could come up with a lot of different nominees. Cuba, Cuba Gooding obviously won for Jerry Maguire. William H Macy was nominated for Fargo. Armin Mueller Stahl for Shine. He plays uh, David's father. Edward Norton for Primal Fear, and James Woods for The Ghost of Mississippi. Those are the five nominees. Uh, Edward Norton, I love in Primal Fear. It's a it's a move. It's a performance that's great. It was like the first big Edward Norton performance. I think he had a big year because he was also in Larry Flynn. And Larry Flynn, he also could have gotten nominated. I think Primal Fear is like has that incredible twist ending where it kind of reframes what you think of the movie. Obviously, he's been like conning Richard Gere's character the whole time. Spoiler alert for a twenty year old movie, twenty five year old movie. Um, Great, I love that nomination. Uh, Kuba Gooding winning for Jerry Maguire was like a foregone conclusion. The audience uh, just loved it. His speech is pretty memorable, I'd say. He immediately starts getting played off, which I think is funny. They give him like 60 seconds and he Not starts even playing. 60. It was like 30 seconds. <laughs> He's just like, I love everybody. Everybody's standing up. Steve Martin giving him a standing ovation. It's a great thing. Obviously, now, uh, like Harvey Weinstein, Kuba Gooding now uh, embroiled in legal trouble and uh, pled guilty, I, I think, this week to uh 
what was the, what was the charge, Joyce? Do you remember? Let's forcible see. touching, I believe. Yes, uh, forcible touch. So uh, you know, an, an unfortunate end. It was. It's kind of sad watching his speech because he like thanks his like his wife, who's his like high school sweetheart. Everybody loved Cuba Gooding in the movie. Show me the money is like the catchphrase uh, of the world. Um, yeah, I don't know if I was going back and adding more people here or knocking people out. I still think Cuba Gooding would win based on Jerry Maguire, even, you know, personal separating art from the artist here. It, it's still, the, it's still the best of these performances probably. Well, he didn't do what he was accused of then Correct. or now then. You know. uh, William H. Macy's great in Fargo. I just love that performance. Uh, Edward Norton, like you said, James Woods, people were really into, I guess, for Ghost in Mississippi. He plays a, a incredible- you know, you know, these days you, you can bump James Woods for someone else. Certainly. And uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I would say like, just looking at the movies that I like enjoyed that year. Uh, well, obviously I would nominate like anyone from the Birdcage. Um, so anyone from they, the Birdcage? They, I think they got double nominations at SAG. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so the SAG lineup yeah, for supporting actor was Cuba, who won. Hank Azaria for The Birdcage. Mm-hmm. Nathan Lane for The Birdcage, William H. Macy. And Noah Taylor for Shine, who was swapped um, for Armin Molestal at the Oscars. So this is the thing. This is something that Oscars though sometimes, which they did again this year. And um, when it happened this year with Katrina Balfe and Judy Dench, it reminded me of this and also four or five years ago when uh, they snubbed Aaron Taylor Johnson who won the Globe for Nocturnal Animals for Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. It's like they dump like the younger actor for the seasoned veteran. Right. Uh, if I was doing this myself here again, I would, I would, I could make a, a strong case for Vince Vaughn and Swingers. I think that he would probably get in iconic performance. Uh, Trent is an all-time character. It's a huge breakout work for him. I, I could definitely make the case for that. I would say uh, Matt Damon and Courage Under Fire, I think you could consider. That was like his big actor moment uh, for that film. And he uh, lost he plays, like 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah, he plays like a heroin addict uh, soldier. Um, just like big Matt Damon energy there. And Sean Connery for The Rock Choice, The Sentimental Fave. Uh, those would be my ads. Uh, sorry to Armin Mueller, Stahl, James Woods, and probably... Uh, I guess Ed Norton, if I was going to bump out for one of those. Wow. No, Ed should still be nominated. Um, I guess Ed would stay in and I could bump. I would, I would not nominate uh, (laughs) Sean Connery, but I would definitely, I I think Vince Vaughn should have gotten in here. Swingers is a great movie and he's awesome. Ed Ed won the Globe, so he already- He's supporting, that's like a definition of a supporting performance. I feel like Vince Vaughn in uh, Swingers. Yeah, so then, but so how like, like this was the Jerry Maguire win. Right. Or, and it like, it makes sense. Um, and, you know, the speech now is iconic and, you know, everyone's seen the, the behind the scenes footage from the, the director's truck of just this, them deciding. Really good. Off. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't, I don't know like how well like the wind has aged like I think with like the general public it's like super memorable you know and the speech is memorable but yeah I don't like I don't know if I would give it to him I don't know if I would give to him then or now who would you give it to then William H. Macy maybe like yeah I I really like Fargo or Ed Norton (sighs) 
I mean, it's kind of it's kind of wild that Ed Norton doesn't have an Oscar. I would say, right? Like he should. So this would be a yeah, great. Yeah, because he spot. has an American History X in two years, and as we all know, he loses to Roberto Benigni. And uh, I think there was a sense at the time that Edward Norton is going to get like a lot of opportunities to get a win, and it really hasn't materialized. I would actually make the case he probably could have won for Birdman. You know, he was so good in Birdman. Yeah, but like J.K. Simmons. Obviously, tough, tough beating J.K. Simmons, and I think J.K. Simmons is a deserving winner. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think if you're thinking of Jerry Maguire now, the problem is the the, the Rod Tidwell performance and character is like so cliched that it doesn't have as much. It just feels like kind of hack a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it feels like one of those wins, like in the moment, like they were just like really into the performance and it's like so charming and it was like an easy vote and it's like he's the like of the cat he's like the third or fourth best performance in the movie yeah that's the other problem yeah. like i don't know it's a it's a memorable win i don't know i still think in this lineup he would win i don't know I, william h macy's great i mean yeah him. like i'm totally not surprised he won i just I mean, I would put Vince Vaughn. I, I, I let him roll. Let's roll with Vince. Uh, support. Let's go to supporting actress choice. This was a a just a shock. Everything about this whole sequence is just this is this is what we were missing from this year ceremony. This huge. Upset. So the nominees. We'll do the nominees. And we'll, so the nominees were Julia Pinoch for English Patient, Joan Allen for The Crucible, one year after her her nomination for Nixon. Uh, Lauren Bacall for Mirror Has Two Faces, Barbara Hershey for Portrait of a Lady, which was Jane Campion's first film after The Piano, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of flopped here. Not, not, a, not a, maybe, a, again, I mean, one of those that this had Oscar buzz that didn't, didn't buzz. And uh, Marianne Jean Baptiste for Secrets and Lies, that was like her breakout uh, performance. Uh, but like a fraud because she's a lead. <laughs> and everyone expected Lauren Bacall to win. You have, uh, you have her memoir out. We'll read that in a second. I yeah. So Kevin Spacey is uh, the previous year's winner for supporting actor for Usual Suspects. He comes out to announce Best Supporting Actress. Uh, this is the this is pre American Beauty win, but like Kevin Spacey is at his cultural height, I would argue here, or ascendancy. Obviously, again, another actor who has been summarily disgraced and uh, for being accused of, of sexual misconduct and assault. Uh, at the time, he was. I think this is like right around, honestly, the time he maybe hosted SNL, the classic SNL, where he does a lot of his impressions, including uh, Al Pacino and, and Christopher Walken. And Billy Crystal comes up to him as he's about to do the announcement of Best Supporting Actress, and he makes him do his Christopher Walken. It's so uncomfortable, I think, even though it's like a okay Christopher Walken. It's certainly not like Kevin Pollack level Christopher Walken. And... It just feels like, again, like what I was saying earlier about the whole general show, it feels like a little bit of like trying to steal valor from young skewing pop culture to get the kids excited. Because Kevin Spacey was like, again, his SNL was like a big deal. And I feel like this is like playing off of that. And it just doesn't work. I don't know why we're doing it. And it's just like a really big, like, he gets more shine than like any of the other presenters, I feel like, for these acting it, it was It was funny because like I've seen that um this category that video many times watch watch this clip a lot is what i'm saying 
Um, don't really watch the Cuba clip that much. Um, but when I rewatched it, it's, it's just, it immediately starts with Mira Sorvino saying like, and the Oscar goes to Cuba Gooding Jr. They don't do the intro of like, and now like she present best supporting actor, last year's supporting actress winner, Mira Sorvino and like her whole banter or like read the nominees. But they included that whole shtick with Spacey's walk-in impression, which is, yeah, not, not the best. And Oof. even without, you know, pre Me Too, it's still rough. Like, uh, yeah, like that, that could have uh, undergone a rewrite. But yeah, yeah so he does uh, that read or, you know, they go through the nominees and everyone expects Lauren Bacall to win. Should I read the excerpts now? Please. So she was the okay. sentimental. So I have a Lauren's memoir. I highly recommend. It's called yes. By Myself and Then Some. It was published in the 70s. And then I think in like 2005, she wrote some additional chapters, including about the Oscars. So yeah, so she like, in the, the lead up, she said she was like surprised by these nominations because, you know, she's never been nominated for the Oscars before. You know, she's won two Tonys, but never like her film career, like it, it wasn't a flop, but like she never got like that love from the industry, right? But then she was surprised that she won the SAG Award, the Golden Globe, and she called it the Broadcasters Award, which is pretty great. Award. And then, so she says, but the Academy Awards were much more public with much more stress attached to them. Also, it was the year of the English patient, a Miramax release. And Harvey Weinstein was known for being a master at pushing his movies. This is kind of a foreshadowing here. And then, so the night before the Oscars, there was a dinner, she went there with her kids. And then she says, Kevin Spacey sat with us for the dinner. He was sure that I would win. My old crush and special friend, Kirk Douglas and his wife, Anne were there. Kurt delivered a most flattering and sweet toast to me. They all said, I was a shoe-in. I said, beware of shoe-ins. They often are the losers, but they would have none of it. Quote, you deserve it. It's about time. All those words were repeated by many. You can't lose. So then she describes like the day leading up. So blah, blah, blah. Okay. So the evening began with Masters of Ceremonies, Billy Crystal. I did my best, trying to look relaxed as though I was enjoying myself. I doubt I was very convincing. The truth she, is- I Just pause there for one second. She was not very convincing. She looked unhappy the whole <laughs> yeah. time. Well, well, here, she admits it. The truth is I wanted to win. <laughs> no matter how you try to rationalize it, to be nominated is fine. Uh, chosen by your peers, et cetera, but it's better to win. In any contest, that is the goal. So she here she erroneously says that the first award was supporting actress, uh, not 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 correct. Uh, supporting actor was first, but you know yeah. in her mind that was the only award. Sure, maybe that was when uh, she showed up. Yeah. So then you know Kevin Kevin Spacey came out of the envelope in his hand, announced the nominees, looked at me, and smiled. Opened the envelope. Quote, and the winner is. He was so sure. My heart was pounding so loud. I thought I would faint. Steve, her son, was squeezing my hand. His voice dropped. Quote, the winner is Juliette Binoche, the English patient. It was the English patient down the line. Harvey Weinstein had done it again. I felt so badly for my children. They were so upset for me. Steve turned white. He couldn't believe it. Sam and Leslie were stunned. We got through the rest of the program and headed for the great dinner. Chocolate Oscars at every place. I felt very alone. No matter how you slice it, this was a ball for winners. Kevin Spacey was there. He came over and invited me to the dance floor 
thank heaven. It's not a good thing to be a shoe in. Wow. There you go. <laughs> so when Juliet Binoche wins, she gets up there and is like, I'm so surprised. I did not expect to win. I thought Lauren was, which I feel like is salt in the wound. <laughs> I know. Like, I know she had good intentions and I completely understand it because she was shocked. Like, that is shocked. a shocked reaction. She um, was shocked. It's one of the biggest, I would say it's one of the biggest surprise wins in my lifetime, right? At the Oscars. Like, yeah. not, not, no one expected it, I don't think. Yeah. But in hindsight, and, it feels like kind of obvious to me. Yeah, because she's she's great in the English patient. Um, so she's great in the English patient. Obviously, it's like the biggest movie. It's winning nine Oscars. It's got the most nominations. And Mirror Has Two Faces is not a good movie and did not really rate very highly with the Academy. And so you'd only be giving her a sentimental Oscar, which, like I said, sentimental woman notwithstanding, they don't really do that much anymore, right? Yeah, and also... Al Pacino, had, he was double nominated that year. He had six previous nominations. This is Lauren Bacall's first nomination. Right. This reminds me of like when uh, Stallone lost for Creed and Mark Ryan. Yes, yes. It's, it's a similar kind of vibe where everyone just assumed that Stallone was going to win because it was like time to give Stallone an Oscar. And, and it they, was Rocky again. And it just doesn't, it doesn't play like that. If they don't think the movie, if they don't like the performance or they don't think the movie is like a big enough deal. While I do think Creed is awesome. And when we do that Oscars, I would say like give that best picture uh, for that year. Um, I don't know. I just I'm not surprised that she lost. It, it it's just it's funny that everyone expected her to win. That was like yeah. Well, I mean to be fair, she had swept leading up to it. I think I think it is rough when you've won everything leading up to it, and then you're being told by Kurt Douglas and Ann Douglas and Kevin Spacey that you're gonna win. Pretty. Like it's hard. To, even if you personally are trying to keep your expectations low when everyone is saying it to your face, I think that's very hard. Um, and the other you know, thing like is said, like you want to win with English patient. It does often, you often want an acting win if you're a best picture or the Academy wants to give it an acting win. And the only place it was really going to win or could win was here because Francis McDormand was not going to, Chris Scott Thomas was not going to be Francis McDormand and Ray Fiennes was not going to be Jeffrey Rush. And so this was like the most easiest spot to give English patient an, an acting win was here. And I think that's yeah. really what happened. Like, it, she, it's funny that she chalks it up to Harvey Weinstein, but I actually don't think, if I was making a list of like Oscars that Harvey Weinstein's aggressive campaigning stole in the 90s, this would not necessarily be on my list. Well, I think it's more like just the general push for English patient, not specifically Juliet. But right. I think what also helped Juliet is like, you could argue that's like a lead performance, like a borderline lead. Uh, I think she and Kristen probably have comparable screen time as well. And then in, inside Oscar, they talk about the campaign strategy for both of them, like who would be where, like, cause you, you could say like Kristen could go supporting yeah. too, yeah. you know, but they opted to push Kristen Lee because she is a very fun's lover in the flashback scenes, even though that's the flashback scenes, you know, but I, I'm pretty sure like they're in it around the same amount of time. Um, Obviously, the you know, like I said, the biggest fraud is Marianne John Baptiste because I'm pretty sure she's in there for like an hour. <laughs> like, Fully complete fraud. Like they're they're co-leads. She and Brenda. Um, yeah. So like you know, English Patient, the big movie. Juliet's great in the movie, and she has more screen time. And also, like, I hate this word, like, but a more likable character. Wow. You know, when it, like Lauren's character in Mirror's Two Faces, great, but 
you know, not not the nicest character. A little sharp edged, a little more yeah. sharp edged than like the And you know, sometimes movies. they they award characters like that, especially in supporting, more so in supporting than lead, definitely. But um back to the Stallone thing, the other uh theory as to why he lost, besides the fact that like, you know, Creed was a soft movie for the industry as a whole, is that you know, he he lacked the respect or he had like a bad reputation mm-hmm. in the industry. And I don't think Laura McCall lacks respect, but, uh, you know, it was her first nomination. So like, why haven't, Right. why did they never nominate her, you know, mm-hmm. back in the old Hollywood days. And then also in, inside Oscar, there's like all like the gossip around like, oh, like people don't really like Barbara Streisand. So this was kind of like their way to get back at Barbara. Right, that's the other issue. Um, Pretty shocking, again, a shocking moment. And, and the entire thing is just a time capsule. Definitely worth watching if you go to YouTube just to see every every moment of that is just- I, Yeah, like I, I gift like both of their reactions because like Juliet is shocked. The other three are just like, whoa. And Lauren is just trying to compose herself. Oh, she looks so unhappy. It's so upsetting, honestly. <laughs> you just look so mad. Like you do feel bad for them. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's rough. Tough beat. Especially because like, I mean, you know, it's just like that's it. Like she's that's her one. This was like her one chance. Let's say right. Like it was kind of a comeback. Yeah, she wasn't nominated again. She got the honorary Oscar in two thousand nine, and then she died five years later. The problem with the Oscars as well is they wait way too long to give honorary Oscars to these legends who uh, can leave at any moment. Yes. So uh, let's go. We'll go through. I don't want to go through every category because we've gone on so long. This is such an enjoyable Oscars choice. I have to say. But I want to, we'll go, we mentioned uh, screenplay, adapted screenplay went to Sling Blade, huge ovation, uh, beat English patient, train spotting a cool nominee here. I was really excited to see it there. Original screenplay, Fargo wins, no notes, great script. Uh, Fun nominees here. And again, I have to say, Shine would not be on my list. So the nominees were Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Lone Star, John Sales, great script, really good movie. Secrets and Lies for Mike Lee and then Shine. I would put Scream in here. That would be my uh, ad. Imagine Scream as a Best Picture nominee. <laughs> I don't think it would have gotten a Best Picture nomination, but I think you I could argue that it should actually gotten a script nomination, especially thinking now to like what gets nominated. Like um, obviously like the social commentary of Get Out makes it a little more important in air quotes, but like Scream was like a mind-blowing movie, I think, and restructured how people think of the genre in a similar way that Get Out did with the horror genre. And I feel like that alone would have gotten it in. I don't know. If I was doing this myself, I would pick Scream. Um, Not to win. Fargo obviously is the winner, but I think Scream could get in. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, like these days, you might, well, I mean, I think like the Lone Star nomination is pretty cool. Like I, I kind of so forgot cool. about John Sales. <laughs> yeah, really cool. <laughs> Until like I stumbled across this again. Um, yeah, he's he was someone back then who you think was gonna blow up and just didn't really, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but and also that's a controversial ending to that movie, <laughs> Moonstar. Um, yeah, and Secrets and Lies, Mike Lee, just just never never gonna win. Um, but he won. I think he won the BAFTA. Yeah, he had to have won the BAFTA because you know it's Mike Lee, um, right? Yeah, he won the BAFTA. Yeah. So uh it's it's funny to think that like he they could have gone 
to Secrets and Lies as one of the best picture nominees here uh, with also a direct nomination. And, you know, Fargo could have lost. Like, they, like there, there's a universe where they could have preferred Secrets and Lies over Fargo. And Fargo was the only other movie to win multiple awards this night. I wonder if lies could have won those those two categories that Fargo won. So I wonder if we were doing it right now, the same Oscars with the Academy makeup that we have now, which is much more international, I would argue, than it is at this time. Does Fargo actually does it win those Oscars? I think you can make the case that like Secrets and Lies would have based on how it performed at BAFTA and just based in general on like the more international makeup of the Academy at the moment, that Secrets and Lies would have outperformed Fargo. I don't know. I mean, like some of the wins this year does not necessarily reflect the the higher brow taste that you would assume international. Well, what about like last year? Like The Father. I I would like, it's different movies, obviously, but I feel like The Father and Secrets and Lies are more of of simpatico, maybe. Yes. And like, I think the international voters buoyed the, the Father wins last year. And I think Secrets and Lies could have benefited from that. If it was yeah. a little more international. Um, yeah, and there are both movies. Like, I, I think there was more passion for The Father. I don't yes. know. I don't remember what it was like in 96. But it's like, Secrets and Lions is a great movie. Yeah. And yeah, I could, or maybe they, they just split it. Like, maybe Francis still wins, but Secrets and Lions wins the screenplay. I, I do think Francis would win. I think maybe Mike Lee wins script, but... Yeah, and then adapted, it's, yeah. Sling Blade, um, all the way. Pretty solid list of nominees here yeah. too. I don't know. No notes again. Uh, could, well, could I, it, it is like, cause with the English patient, cause the, the whole thing was like, oh, no one can turn this into a movie, right? And like right. Anthony McGillan did it. So you would assume that he would win the screenplay award for it. I just think it was, this is a case where people were so excited about Billy Bob and the only spot it could really win or he could win was here because he wasn't yeah. going to win best actor. And that was why he won. It was much more of a pro Billy Bob personal win, I feel like, than even the script. I think it was like, we love well, Billy Bob. I mean, he's win. also, that is his like personal product because he, it was like yes. his one man show and then he made a short and then adapted. It, it's, it's kind of like whiplash, you know? Yeah, it, it did remind me of that. Um, yeah. A couple of things, we'll go through the rest of these categories quick. Just in the, in the shorts, a couple of like, you know, this is like, I guess when people are like, keep the shorts on the show, this would be a year you could point to as like, look at who won. So Breathing Lessons, The Life and Work of Mark O'Brien won for Documentary Short Subjects, directed by Jessica Yu, who is like an incredibly talented, very prolific director who has done episodes of dozens of major shows. Uh, was, not- I think she was nominated for an Emmy for Fosse Burden. Right. And she's yeah. done This Is Us, Morning Show, Grey's Anatomy, Billions, 13 Reasons Why, Fossey, like just like, so this is like a great launch pad for, I would say, her career. And then the other, uh, one of the other short winners in live action short film was David Frankel, who obviously went on to direct uh, Devil Wears Prada and again, TV and all kinds of different things. Like he is, uh, he did uh, Marley and Me, you know, like a pretty prolific popular filmmaker. And that's cool that these these are people who won Oscars and then like had even bigger stardom after those Oscars. Well, yeah, because that's the whole point. And that's what the defenders of the shorts right. categories that people, you know, are often dismissive of, be like, no, like this is how you breed 
like the next generation of talent, you know, right. you support their shorts and films. Um, and yeah, the other thing with Breathing Lessons, it's about Mark O'Brien. And then, you know, later on, 15 years later, turns into the sessions starring Helen Hunt, who is at this ceremony. And very actress. Very cool. <laughs> I thought that was really cool too. A uh, couple other, it was a, you mentioned earlier, uh, score was comedy, musical score and dramatic score, which I would be down if they brought that back, honestly, myself. I don't know about you. I, I believe that happened because like people were pissed that like Disney was dominating the music categories and yeah. Disney wasn't even nominated um, for song this year. Like I think it got the Hunchback got score, right? I think it did. Yeah, it did. Hunchback is uh, in here for score. Yeah, but um, they didn't get song. No. So. The, the nominees were for dramatic score, English Patient Wins for Gabriel Yared, Hamlet, Michael Collins, Shine, and Sleepers, which is a John Williams score. Not having Carter Burwell here for Fargo is absolutely deranged. I have no idea how he missed. Uh, it's an all-time score. It might be my favorite Carter Burwell score. It's so good. And it's even better when the Coens and Francis win and they play the score. And it's such it's, a great score to walk up to. to it's your so Oscar. good. I truly i cannot understand how it didn't get nominated it would have won here it's english patient score is actually pretty famous as well and yeah. like of course it would win but like fargo score not being nominated is a sin it just is unbearable mm -hmm. i can't believe it and then for musical comedy score emma uh, wins for rachel portman the first uh female composer to ever win and the only the second the only the second was uh for joker right um yeah hilda gonna deter but um <laughs> that but when Hilder won it was it just won the score category so you could say that Hilder was the first like solo female to win went with just like a, you know no genre split right um other nominees were Mark Shaman for his wives club hunchback obviously like you mentioned James and the Giant Peach Randy Newman and Preacher's Wife Hans Zimmer just a killer list of nominees here um for original song Joyce should we just do this now like just go I mean you must love me from Evita one I don't even remember it I know you don't cry for me, Argentina, obviously. And that was like, remember that was, a, they did a dance remix. That was on Z100 all the time. It was like yes. a big hit. Uh, and KTU played it a lot. Uh, so that wins. The other nominees were, I finally found someone from Mirror Has Two Faces, like we mentioned earlier, for the first time from One Fine Day, uh, Because You Love Me by Diane Warren, which I would actually say is one of Diane Warren's best chances here for a win. I think that's like a pretty like notable song. But clearly that thing you do from that thing you do with Adam Schlesinger, RIP, uh, who, who died in 2020 after complications of the coronavirus. Very sad. Uh, just how did this not win? I, I the disrespect for that thing you do. It's just, it reminds me of, uh, or I guess Husevich's loss reminds me of this, <laughs> where it's just like the movie's not nominated anywhere else, but the music is the centerpiece of the movie. The movie is about this damn song, <laughs> not just because it's the title, but they're a one-hit wonder because of the song. And it's such a perfect pastiche 60s song that was written in the 90s and it's still timeless today. I listen to the song all the time. And I was like, actually listened to it when the news broke that Adam died. And I was like, gasp. Um, and I think, I think actually the Wonders were my number four artist on my Spotify rap <laughs> that year. Because it's, it's the perfect song. Um, and that's what you want for like something for like this category original song like it should be important to the movie and you know we've talked about numerous times how a lot of song nominees and winners are just end credit songs mm -hmm. right 
It's just like they slap it on because they want to get someone an Oscar or like an extra nomination for their film. But this is actually important to the movie. <laughs> I'm like, how did, like, you just got this all wrong. Like, I'm not surprised that you must love me one, but absolutely no one remembers that song. Truly, uh, that thing you do still a good song. Still listen to it. Yeah, and then so um, the performances, they, all of these were performed. And like we said, like Celine performed two of them. Madonna, Billy Crystal, when he introduces Madonna, goes on this whole spiel about like how she was snubbed for Best Actress, but she still called the Academy to be like, I am willing to perform the song. She does not have a writing credit on this, which maybe is her mistake, because then she could have gotten an Oscar that way. Um, and then he, yeah, he says this whole thing, like she, she wants to perform even though she was snubbed. And the camera cuts to Barbara Streisand in the audience because Barbara obviously turned down uh, the opportunity to perform her song. And, you know, just like kind of shady, but Barbara was laughing with James Brolin <laughs> about oh. it. And yeah, so Madonna performs that, Celine performs twice. I could not find the Kenny Loggins performance of for the first time, not, not on the interwebs, but the, the Thing You Do performance, they had these guys, not the wonders, perform. And there was an interpretive dance to it. Very weird. I did not understand it then because I was like, this is so disrespectful to the Wonders <laughs> and Tom Hanks. Um, and it was on YouTube for a couple of years because I, I watched it again after Adam died, uh, but it's it's been removed, sadly. Huge bummer. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's just great. So that was one we, we take back, I would say. And then uh, anything else just before we wrap up here, the, the cinematography, uh, John Seal won for English Patient, Roger Deakins here, one of his many snubbed uh, potential wins for Fargo, I would say. I could see why John Seal won though, honestly. I think we could have mm -hmm. given Roger Deakins an Oscar somewhere else instead of here. Um, um, yeah, I don't, mm, yeah, that, that one is fine for English patient, <laughs> uh, even though I really do love Fargo cinematography. And it's kind of, the thing about Fargo in general was just like, it was clearly the Coens going to the next level, right? Right. And it, and it was like that in every aspect of the film where you could see it, like with the cinematography as well. Right. So um, I love the Fly Away Home nomination here. Another movie I watched a lot for Caleb right. Deschanel. In, in, uh, in cinematography, uh, Zoe Deschanel's uh, dad, I believe, Joyce, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. And then there's Best Makeup to the Nutty Professor. Pretty incredibly uh, memorable makeup for, for Eddie Murphy and the Clumps. Walter Murch actually won two Oscars here, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, just a legend editor. He won for sound and for film editing for English Patient. Uh, he had previously won for sound for Apocalypse Now, was nominated for editing for uh, Godfather Part Three, uh, Ghost, uh, you know, best sound on the conversation. So just a, a lengthy career that kind of the won costume here. lineup. So English Patient won for Anne Roth, who just won again last mm -hmm. year. For Ma Rainey. Um, but you know, this year's winner was Cruella and 101 Dimensions was not even nominated for Pretty funny. Costume. But I think the costumes in in, in, uh, in Cruella probably a level up from the, the 101 Dalmatians costumes. Or is yeah. it 101 donations, Joyce, uh, from the the, the great uh why is the show so long.com? Yeah. Uh, speaking of why is the show so long.com, maybe uh, that. We, we could also probably file in on that. No one is here anymore. <laughs> but any, any last thoughts here, Joyce, before we leave? So English patient just dominating Independence Day at the Oscars, 
until the next year when Titanic sweeps and is the biggest movie of all time. But any last thoughts, Jules? Um, you know, you just feel so sad for the studios, right? Why, why can't they have a win? You know, these, 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 these studios. Yeah. All right. So well, this is fun. Uh, Joyce, we'll, we'll be back again next week. We'll, we, I don't know which one we're going to pick. We, we, we'll, we'll talk about it, but uh, stay tuned for more Oscars playback. Not the re-Oscar awards, Joyce. I got it in here at the end. Wait, you waited so long. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> for all things Hollywood competition and awards head to goldderby.com. Follow us on social media at Gold Derby. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.